Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest on our phone. She is somewhere across the country, different time zone. Man, I, I, I can't do different time zones. I get all messed up a little bit. <laughs> I really don't know what to do with different time zones. Three hours ahead, four hours behind, yeah. no clue. Well, she is uh, in Vancouver. So hey, everyone, it's Amanda. And we're talking to Allie Taylor today in Vancouver. So it's morning over there for her and we just finished having lunch actually it was brunch i'm lying to you because we ordered breakfast so what time is it there if it's morning what tell me tell me the time it's It's what is it 10 30 there right now right 10 30 yeah so it's not like you not had a coffee yet which i think is a a tragedy so it's not like you're in your pajamas in your bed and well she hasn't had a coffee yet that is tragic i don't know i don't know how this works i'm not a coffee drinker i don't need coffee in the morning that's you don't drink coffee no not at all i'm not i i really don't like warm beverages yeah oh i'm with you on the warm water base like tea that like a good cappuccino i don't know i can't do it (laughs) <laughs> coffee to me is just like dirty water because it has the it's, it's just hear me out because it has the consistency of water i'm expecting it to taste like water but then it just tastes like something else it's so, different hence dirty mm. water yeah i know he's been telling me this theory for years but i still need my morning and probably afternoon coffee so and i know based on the fact that when we called you today ali you were searching for your headphones you said my kids always steal my headphones so as a mother myself, the coffee is just part of like my source. I need it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, how many do you have, Amanda? You have. We have two girls, uh, age two, two and five. Yeah. Crazy yeah. and crazier. How about you, wow, Ali? Yeah. How many kids? I have three, um, but they're older, 12, 10 and eight. And my oldest is a girl and she's she just takes care of the boys. So actually, we just um, were running around getting her to physio this morning. And I was like, I didn't have time to get a coffee. And she's like, I'll just make you when we get home on the espresso. (laughs) Like, that's amazing. But now she's hiding downstairs. And now she's hiding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the reason that we have Allie on the phone today is uh, she is the co-founder slash co-CEO of Jane App, which for anybody who doesn't know is... um, I think they do multiple things, but I'm going to let Ali talk about that. But what I know Jane App to be is a Canadian company that does online booking for healthcare professionals. And I know a lot of my RMT friends are already using this for their scheduling. And it does um, a whole bunch of stuff, like just general management. Yeah, a whole software, bunch right? of it's yeah, it's it's practice management, yeah. right? And so Ali's going to talk a little bit about um, herself and the history of the company. And um, for anybody that you know was thinking about getting into some sort of practice management software, this will be good information for you in making your decision of which company to go with because there's a lot of them now. There's there's quite a handful, but yeah. there's only a, there's a there's a very small handful of Canadian companies. Yes, and we cool. love Canadian companies. Yeah. So. <laughs> Allie, thank you for talking to us over the phone today. Oh, yeah, it's great. And so why don't we start right at the beginning? Why don't you um, introduce yourself to everybody, a little bit about your background, who you are, and, um, you know, how Jane App came to be a thing? Yeah, I actually started in clinic life as well. The path to Jane started um, just in a problem that I was having with my own practice. So I opened a clinic called Canopy in 2011, which seems like a very long time ago now that we're into the 20s, the 20s of the 20th century. I was looking for uh, online booking because I was opening a brand new practice. It was multidisciplinary. It still is. It's still running. It's um, physio, chiro, massage, naturopath, osteo, counselors. My midwives were working out of there. Oh, wow. This is really multidisciplinary. Yeah, really varied in um, the services that are offered. And I needed online booking because I was opening this space as a brand new clinic and I knew I needed to um, have a way to fill up all the caseload of the people that were going to be joining me. I was like, I promise this is going to be amazing. There was like just studs and I'd have the meetings at the coffee shop and I'd tour people around this construction site. And um, and so we we slowly started to build up that practice with all these different disciplines. But as I was leading up to the opening date, I wanted to have a way for people to start booking their appointments. And I also needed um, electronic charting or documentation where you are everyone calls it something a little bit different based on where they practice Mm -hmm. um uh, but i needed eight treatment rooms in order to work with a business plan that would make sense for my the rent and you know how it works i had a very small basic excel spreadsheet that told me i needed eight treatment rooms 
and I had no place to store paper charts. So the original problem I had was I didn't have software that could do either of these things, especially for lots of different types of practitioners. And my co-founder, who um, had a marketing agency at the time, was building up my website and doing all my branding and naming the practice um, and working through that whole process with me. And I was showing him all the options that were out there, and it was just becoming obvious that nothing was going to really work. And so six weeks before opening, he offered to build something as part of my website to do all of these things, um, which was quite an ambitious challenge, I think, at the time, especially in six weeks, and especially knowing what I know now about how much work it takes to build a software. Um, And then he did. So he built the online booking and the electronic charting, and I just used that in my practice for about a year and a half. So it it wasn't originally called Jane. It was Before we get into the name, because I'm very curious about that, I've got well, I've got a billion questions for you, but I'll start very yeah. simple. Uh, <laughs> you said you started by opening a clinic. That was the beginning of your, I guess, entrepreneurial journey. Uh, mm-hmm. What what type of practitioner are you? Or did you just have this idea to open a multidisciplinary clinic and you don't work in the field at all? We didn't even get into that. Yeah, I have a, a degree in English literature and a minor in psychology. So I do not practice. I'm I'm not a practitioner. Both my parents are physiotherapists. So oh, okay. I was sort of born into this world. I think you do get a little bit of genetics from your parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Depending on what they do, I'm sure it's it affects what we all do in life because you're exposed to a profession that you might not otherwise be exposed to. Yeah. So they were I was I kind of grew up in clinics. So doing the filing and working the front desk. And uh, eventually I was at school and my one of my parents, their office manager quit over the summer and where they were desperate for someone to fill in. So I said I would help out for a couple of months. And then um, I just loved it. So I finished my degree while I was still working there running the practices. And then we needed more space and I brokered the purchase of a second practice. And then I had some, my midwives needed space because they were working just out of people's homes. And I there was a few physios that had left that wanted to work on a slower style, less the staggered model. Anyway, so I started looking around at, at locations and I just started kind of, uh, I interviewed another um, clinic owner who was working in a different style, which was more of a room rental style and same sort of multidisciplinary, just to see what the model looked like and if I thought it was something that could work. And then I ventured out. So I found some space. I found some designers uh, at the bank so they would lend me money. And uh, I opened a practice. So it was a lot of people just saying yes when you ask them questions and then trying something. And then it ended up being kind of this really, really amazing learning experience. And uh, there's it's a fantastic group of practitioners that work out of that that practice. So it's turned into a little bit of a women's health clinic because of the midwives. Right, right. Yeah, that was actually my next question when you said uh, it was a bunch of people saying yes, when mm-hmm. opening a brand new clinic, because myself, I've been a therapist now for nine years. And I've been on interviews in brand new clinics where you know, the space is beautiful, and everything is amazing. And then it's okay, so we, you know, we haven't opened yet, we're just about to open our doors. So it's, you know, you know, you're going in there to build a practice, you're not going in yeah. and, you know, to a busy, busy kind of place. Um, the people that started out with you, mm-hmm. was it also just as easy to get a bunch of practitioners on board to start out a brand new venture? Or was there a lot of turnover in the beginning? Were there, some, you know, was, were there growing pains, essentially, when you first started? Yeah. There's always growing pains to everything, I think. But the midwives coming in, uh, and a couple of existing therapists that were moving from other existing practices that also already had a caseload were really helpful. So the, because the midwives, the nature of their practice, I'm just going to actually say this is a fantastic business model. If you want to put midwives in a practice, they're just a revolving door of new clients. And I love because, midwives. So I'm, and they I'm are on board. so love them. wonderful. My, I just, I told them I was going to have a fourth child just so I could see them again. Seriously, like, I, I, would, I would want to have a third for that reason only. <laughs> I, I don't want any more pregnant. kids, but I loved my midwives. I know. They are, they were really incredible. And, um, but yeah, they they still are incredible. I tell everyone as soon as you get a positive test, you got to give them a call. And of course, in Canada, it's it's covered through the yeah. medical system. Mm-hmm. It's just the most magical experience. They come to your house. They yeah, it's it is really wonderful. But so they had just a revolving door of new pregnant women coming through constantly, and they are here in North Vancouver. They're I think they've delivered half of the babies in the in our area. So um, it was a good. That sort of worked as a nice draw, especially for mm-hmm. people that wanted to work with the pregnancy population. 
they're very well known. So that was really helpful. And then uh, having other uh, practitioners coming in who were more experienced therapists that could kind of anchor the practice was helpful. Actually, before I started Jane, so I ran that clinic for a year and a half and, you know, clinics have a cap, like you only have so much space. And so at some point you max out, you can't really grow it any anymore unless you're going to go into a new location. Right. So I was looking at franchising canopy because there was people that were asking about um, wanting to work in a similar model, but in different regions around the city. So I was starting to look in how to, into how to franchise that model. I had, um, I had the software and then I had the brand and sort of the model all nailed down. But I knew you needed to have someone that was really invested as an anchor mm-hmm. in that in that location. So I was starting to experience it like around, but then my, my co-founder um, mentioned that he was getting people asking about the software and I was as well. And so he was said, maybe we should partner and build this into something. And that's when so Jane then, was born. Yeah. I ended up going in that direction. Your partner was kind of responsible for doing the software and for your originally for your website, your, your, right. pa- your partner, it person. <laughs> oh, I, I won't tell him that you called him that. <laughs> No, he's a, he's technical. Yeah, yeah. He is technical. Sorry, IT person usually brings to mind uh, people that are working in a basement trying to figure out your network. <laughs> um, usually eating fast food with beards. He's, uh, yeah, he is a tech, he's my, I call him a technical co-founder, which often when someone's trying to start a tech business, they'll have the business founder and, and a technical co-founder co-founder because you sort of do need to have both. He is a little bit of a unicorn. He does full stack development, which means he develops the back end as well as the front end. So the part that you see and the part that makes what you see work. And then he also has design skills because he was a marketer. So he also does the design. So yeah, it's there's not very many of those people out there. And he has social skills, which I also add is a very important thing to have in a co-founder. Unicorn. I love he it. is a unicorn. I know it's magical. So he um, asked if we if I wanted a partner to sort of build this out into we were thinking it was gonna be a bit of a side hustle, like it'll be just a little app, it will run itself. But now we have over ten thousand practices and a hundred employees and it's uh it's not a side hustle. In how long? When when did you guys start actually marketing this and it becoming a business? Uh, we launched in 2014. And oh, by wow. launch, we just we put up a website and we went to the here in BC, we went to the chiropractic uh, physio and massage uh, conferences that were on that year. So we just did three conferences and we put up a website. That's as far as we went to launch it. We actually still don't have a sales team. We've never we're not into the 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 hard sell model at all. Mm-hmm. So um, we've grown mostly just through referrals, word of mouth, and then just attending those conferences. That's actually all we've done. So this year we went to 50 conferences um, around North America, mostly and and the UK and Australia. Um, and other than that, it's just people. I say we grow the same way your practice grows. You provide great service and people talk about it. And that's mm-hmm. the same way that we did. And we just have followed the same way that we built our small businesses into building a different type of business. For a non-RMT, you work a little bit like RMT. We, Yeah, exactly. Oh, and I could talk to you forever about how I feel about massage therapy. I think it's the most underrated profession. Well, it looks like we just became best friends. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I, want, I do RMT want to talk about the well. name because as, mm-hmm. you know, as Mark and I said before, there's a lot of uh, practice management software out there and yours always comes to mind when we teach our business course. So I don't know if you know the other part of what Mark and I do is we own a continuing education company here in Toronto called Conet Institute. And that's how the podcast was born. Actually, the education company came first and we have roughly 17 courses that we teach. And one of them or a few of them are business related. And we often get asked questions about practice management software and what we would recommend to people. And yours always comes to mind, mostly because of the name. Why Hmm. Jane? (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. That was one of the reasons that we named it Jane. Uh, or her Jane, depending on who you talk to, many people per- personify Jane, was because it there, it comes to mind because it's easy to remember. So we, when we were looking at the different options that were out there and trying to decide what to call Jane, uh, we were everything was sort of um, practice fusion, practice perfect, clinic master, clinic server. There's a, a lot of sort of clinicy names put together. Two words usually sort of smushed together, but they're all quite similar and they're hard to differentiate if you don't know them very well. Mm-hmm. And even people using the software wouldn't always know the name of the software they were using. They would say, "Oh, I use practice something," uh, and so it wasn't even memorable to them, even though they were using that particular software. So we knew we wanted it to be something different than that. 
Um, we also knew we wanted it to be something that was like simple and helpful and just sort of communicated that Jane was sort of like having a, a helper in your practice, like having another a staff member. If you don't having it at all, then you get to have a staff member uh, or just having another staff member. If you have a larger practice that's out there helping you book appointments and getting your charting done and doing taking your payments that's sort of, it's a, a really important role. And we really love the idea of especially those smaller practices that maybe didn't have admin, kind of getting to have a help, a helper in their practice. Mm. Uh, and then we also wanted to make sure it was uh, something that that people would use in the vernacular of their practice. And this was Trevor's marketing background, I think. Uh, he wanted to make sure people weren't saying, put it in the schedule, but they'd be saying, put it in Jane. And Jane would become a word that was used often. Um, because it does make it more memorable. So how many names did you kick around before Jane? And, oh, so and many. Can, can you tell uh, us what one some of them were? was pudding. We almost we were like pudding, like the proof is in the pudding. Mm. <laughs> and then I said, I could not call and say, oh, hi, this is Ali. I'm calling from pudding. <laughs> it's like, I don't think that I can actually take that name and run with it. It just seemed too hard. And then uh, one was Doctopus uh, because, <laughs> because it was like, an octopus that did many things. And there was even a little logo that got drawn out. I think this was more of a, it was mostly a joke. We didn't get very far with octopus because so many of our customers are not, don't have a doctor title. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are some of the main ones. We also did have like, we had both, it's come up recently that some people are saying that Jane might be a bit of a, like considered a sexist name because it's a female name. I knew somebody was going to say that. It surprised me at the time when I first heard it. And I keep saying my, like my response, I don't know. I'm not, can I swear on your podcast? You absolutely my, can. Okay. Um, my response is like, Jane's a fucking powerhouse. Like this is, as a, as a woman, I'm super proud that Jane has a woman's name. She's Yeah. And phenomenal. you know what? The people who are saying that they're automatically assuming that Jane's nothing more than a secretary. Jane's exactly. running the show. Jane's the boss. Jane's the boss. Exactly. And so that was, that's always been my response. So I was quite surprised. It's come up twice in the last few months. People making comments on just stuff that's being posted. Like it's rather sexist. I was like, oh, it never even occurred to me that that might be something that people would would think. Everyone's just got to settle the hell down. (laughs) It's fine. It's not not most people are very fond of Jane and fond of the name, especially I think if you are if you use Jane, I think you have a different relationship with our team as well. It's we're big on the relational and the support side. Um, So I have a lot of people that are there to help our customer. As you, know they what, use Jane. you know what Jane reminds me of? Um, I just finished watching this series, The Good Place. Did you ever watch it? Oh, uh, no, with, but I love Kristen Bell. She's okay. So you, if funny. you love Kristen Bell, you need to watch this series. It's only four seasons, which I was actually sad about, but it had to end sometime. And uh, they have <laughs> a, she's not a robot. What is she? She's like a, an all knowing being that you can mm. summon at any time. And if you have a question, so she's like the Google of the entire universe. And like an her name is Janet. Oh, that's what this is. They would Whoa. just summon Janet if they needed to know anything. So that's what I'm, I keep thinking of when you're talking about Jane and you, you know, have a throw it in Jane and Jane can tell you. And it's, you know, I don't think of it as Jane's a secretary. It's if you need anything, you got Jane. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, you got to watch that show. I loved it. I'm I'm still obsessed. I just like her crying over a sloth. There's like some clip of Kristen Bell <laughs> yes. crying over seeing a sloth. And I'm like, I just think you're my best friend now. I don't know why that makes you, <laughs> me like you so much, but it does. I can't figure her out. I try I know, so she's hard. so interesting. Because I, I, watch, I watched the show with Amanda and I just, I just kind of, I can't figure her out. I'm like, do I like you? Do I not like you? I know. Are you, she, are you, are you, are you fun in real life? Because you're translating like you're a really fun person right now. Does this hold true for real? Like I can't figure it out. She's they like, like. Hearted and heavy at the same time. Like she can be quite political, but she also yeah. can make light of situations. I find her very like humble and real, but at the same time, she knows she's powerful. So she's like uber political in certain circumstances. Mm. She, you know, she is interesting. She's a confusing woman. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's very authentic on Instagram. You see a lot of her life if yes. you follow her. Yes, that's true. Oh, Kristen Bell, I love her. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. So, okay, once you. Once you and is Trevor, is that your partner's name? Is that what Trevor? Yeah. Okay. So once you and Trevor decided that's it, we're going to do this. Did you expect Jane to blow up the way that it has? No, no, uh, no. This was really just going to be, as you said, a side hustle. This was not going to be like your main business and all of your energy going into it. No. And we both worked, like I continued to work with the clinics and um, Trevor continued to run his agency for the first year, I think at least until I think we got to at least a couple hundred 
clinics and it, and then we could move over more full time. But he, yeah, it was, this was, it was surprising to me that so many people had the same problem, although I suppose it shouldn't have been. This is perfect segue. I wanted to, that was the next question I wanted to ask you is when you were opening your clinic and you were looking at the software that already existed, where were the holes? What were, what were the other platforms missing? A big one for the online booking, a big one was the branding and the experience. So I, I felt very strongly that when people are looking for their um, typical appointment, they will keep looking if they can't actually secure an appointment time. So I knew that I needed them to actually finish book an appointment and have it there so that they stop looking and, and don't go somewhere else. Uh, and everything was like I, w- I had this beautiful website I was designing in this experience. And I say your website's sort of like your online waiting room. It's like it's where your patients are getting their first experience with your business. And that's true whether you're a solo practitioner or whether you're a multi-location chain. Mm -hmm. Your website is often someone's first experience with you. It's like your introduction to these people. And it's setting a tone. It's setting a tone for how much you can charge. It's setting a tone for how they they think of you, how professional you are. There's a lot that goes on. Yeah, Yeah. the expectation of what they're going to walk into when they come to your practice and the type of service that they're going to receive. Like there's so much that goes into a website beyond just information exactly. transfer. Sounds like uh, sounds like the course we just did. Uh, yeah, you sound <laughs> like you're just repeating everything we just said on the weekend. So thank you. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I knew that I wanted the online booking to feel like a more seamless experience. I didn't want them to push a button and be jumped out into something that felt like it was, you know, completely different country. So I wanted it to feel more like a welcoming, great, I'm so glad you're coming in to see us and, you know, have a little bit more control over that. And I wanted my brand to be reflected in that. And there was nothing at the time that you could brand in any way to make it feel like it was still your your clinic and your experience. So the so online booking one. felt very disconnected from the it actual did. clinic that you were booking in. Okay, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. so we've still made it so that um, when people use Jane, they get a, their own URL and they can their page is branded for their clinic. So mm-hmm. it's their colors and their logo and you can pull a background splash page across that matches one that you might have on your website. So it feels more seamless. Uh, and actually we're just working right now. We're, I would love to actually hear if people want this, but we're looking at um, partnering with a company that'll create a website template that will allow people to actually create a web, full website mm-hmm. using their Jane online booking as a sort of, as an information source. Cause you know, when you're updating your online booking information, but it's not updating on your website, you have your staff list is not right. Your prices are not updated. That's just such a frustrating experience. So trying to, it's always just trying to be as helpful as possible and making sure that everything works together. And people are spending the least amount of time on the business part of their practice because they have to spend their entire day treating patients. And so usually that's being done, you know, in their evenings and weekends. Um, and it's not usually their favorite part of running a business. Not my favorite part, but that's no, why Mark's here. It's not, yeah. <laughs> So the branding was a big part of it, um, allowing to have that that great experience. And then the charting, it was just everything is built for one discipline. So most most software are built for a single discipline, and then they're built. The charting is really focused around that experience. And honestly, most even most charting experiences are built for a single practitioner that's consulting with that software program. And if you put any two practitioners, three practitioners, if you have a room of practitioners, you're not going to find a single one that likes to document in the same way as the person standing next to them, regardless of whether they're the same discipline or not. And I have, I've worked with many, many practitioners and it was actually one of the most fun things about opening Canopy was I hadn't worked with an osteopath before. So I, and I'd never seen an osteopath. So I, I interviewed an osteopath. I'm like, tell me everything about why you think osteopathy is the best thing ever. And why did you choose to become an osteopath instead of becoming a physio or a chiro? Like we all have stories, but why we chose the discipline that we went into. And so I got to learn a lot about the overlaps and a lot about the differences and really just learn like these practitioners have much more in some in common then they do different differences, which is that they just want to help people and whatever path they've chosen, they believe to be the best way to do that. And that's really important to be a good practitioner. You have to believe in the way you're helping people, Yeah, but they're all different from another one another, even in the same profession. And so we wanted to provide a tool that allowed each practitioner to document in a way that worked for their brain, that worked for their flow, that worked for 
their style. So it's not like like a a click here, click here. There's a little more freedom with how you do your online charting with Jane than some of the other platforms. It can be click here, click there. You just get to build the template so that the clicks that you choose from are all ones that you would choose from instead of having to work through click here, click here. I would never click 16 of these, but they have to be here because this template was created by somebody else or it was created to try to allow for all those people to work with the same template. So it's just a little bit more of a kind of, you can build your own, but we also have a chart template library. So if you build a template and you're super proud of it, you can share it into this library that's a peer contributed library. I think there's like over 10,000 templates in there and they're divided by discipline. So you can go into massage therapy and you can just see the templates that other people are using. And then you can pull it in if you like it. And once it's in your Jane account, you can delete bits and add bits and edit bits and make it more. Oh, it's so interactive. Yeah. That's and pretty cool. Have you used Jane it, before, Mark? No, I've used a bunch of the other ones, but I haven't used Jane. No, and I mean... Uh, as I mentioned to the person who uh, reached out to us to book you on the podcast, last clinic I was at, I was actually talking to the owner about like, let's start researching some of the some of the different software that exists. So we can start using online booking so we can start using online charting. And it never happened in my in my lifetime there. And I think they are using something now. And I'm going to be very curious to find out is it Jane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're um, I think our We have about 90% of BC massage therapists use Jane and Mm -hmm. we're in all the massage schools here. And so this was our home base, obviously. So we started, we started in, uh, in Vancouver and in BC, which is very familiar and friendly to us. Mm -hmm. And then we started expanding across Canada. And then like, I I think I mentioned, it's also um, through the US and the UK and Australia. Although we were talking at the beginning a little bit about how massage therapy is quite different throughout, um, throughout America and around the world. Actually, Canada has some of the the most highly trained massage therapists in the world. Like the, the reputation of a Canadian massage therapist is it's so strong. Yeah, we're really learning that uh, we have therapists from all over on our podcast as well. And a lot of the therapists that we speak to, especially the ones in the States, will often say to us, you know, that they're the school they went to, the curriculum was modeled after Ontario, actually, yeah. specifically. Yeah. And um, they're always really blown away by the level of education we have, the continuing education. And I think that's why we have such a, a strong American listenership. Follow. Yeah. yeah, I think they enjoy There's hearing. a lot of respect for the Canadian massage therapy industry, for sure. Yeah, we've it's met something some really Canadians great. Be proud of. Sorry, it's something can, the Canada should be proud of, and no one even knows. Like no one even knows that our massage therapists are some of the are kind of world renowned as being some of the best in the in the world. Obviously, so it's I true. Think eh? it's they an have odd no thing. idea. <laughs> no, we're not even proud of it. Not even our actually, our, even our massage therapists don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're probably right. I don't. It's just, it's just a surprise. There's there's a handful of people in the states that like well, a handful. There's quite a few that do. Like we did um, we did a podcast on 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 the schools and the admission process. And mm-hmm. it, 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 it's, I recently posted it again into some Facebook groups in the states, and there's this one dude who owns a school. He posted it into a massage therapy group. He made the the heading that he posted under a little clickbaity, like he mm. posted like Canadian massage therapy schools aren't doing exactly you know, or if they have problems with education, it really had nothing to do with the education, but you know, getting enrolled in school and some of the mm. some of the shady stuff that schools do. But then there was a whole bunch of therapists from the states that responded, "What are you talking about? They have like twenty two hundred hours of education. That's probably one of yeah. the highest education level in the world. Why? What, what what problems could they possibly have and all this kind of?" stuff yeah weird that's true yeah. we've yeah, had BC some really three thousand right they had yeah it, it was, bc was at three thousand but then because of the trying to um formalize the the registration the accreditation, the accreditation across yeah. five provinces yeah. yeah which i can't believe is still hasn't happened yet <laughs> that's a whole <laughs> other like, discussion which we've oh had with a couple goodness. of people yeah I'm but sure. as i said we actually have met some really really great therapists in the states and what I'm coming to realize, and I, 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 with you, I agree that Canadians should be proud of the reputation, I guess, of the therapists here. But I'm finding that some of the ones that I've met in the States, they are really on par with the Canadian therapists. Oh, yeah. It's the, the baseline education here seems to be higher. But I think a lot of the therapists we've met in the States, they take continuing education very seriously. Totally. Like they, oh, yeah. they really want to get better and be, you know, frontline healthcare. Let's, let's not even talk the business. You know side what? Of it. It, yeah. It's, 
it's not the skill level or the capabilities of the massage service. It's actually the way that the insurance industry treats them mm. that creates the biggest mm-hmm. difference. And I've seen that I've seen that many times now in our tra- like our experience in the U.S. Uh, in the states where they have better success claiming insurance uh, massage therapy through insurance billing, there can actually be successful standalone massage therapy businesses. And in the states where they have a hard time, just a rule called the any qualified provider rule in the U.S. insurance system. And some states are just better at enacting it and working with it through their insurance process. But the insurance world dictates a huge amount of success for massage therapists by state and region. And even for us in BC, I had a massage therapist that moved from the U.K., and he was trying to move his registration over. He's a phenomenal massage therapist. He was working at Canopy. He still is, actually. And he had had osteopathic training as well as massage therapy. But until his registration moved forward, he was kind of like half full, three quarters full. And then as soon as he became registered, he was full. Like his wait list now is like, you can't go to see him two months out or something. See, that's not so to me. I think that's just a that's just a business model mindset thing that I think needs to shift with massage therapists. I think you need mm. to take a look at a whole other industry that doesn't involve a third party payer and yeah. look at the success that they have. Like, look at the fitness industry. People pay out sure. thousands yeah. and thousands of it's dollars true. on that stuff. Yeah. And it's not like they have to rely on anything other than their own ability to put it, put forth a great product, put forth some value and market it really, really well. But if massage yeah. therapists are always kind of looking to the idea of uh, the insurance industry is really going to dictate, you know, how much success I have here, then you're kind of screwed. Let's, let's get out of that mm-hmm. mindset right from the beginning. That's like a marketing problem of massage therapy. Massage therapy does straddle both like health and wellness so there's there's the spa massage and then there's the remedial massage or you know there is a kind of there's two different ways that people think about massage so there is sort of an interesting marketing issue there too depending on what type of practice you want to offer and how yeah because you hear a lot of therapists talk about and I mean myself included I've said it on the podcast where you've got these clients who come in and they let their insurance coverage dictate how many treatments they're going to have oh yeah regardless of what the therapist is telling them they need you know we we design a treatment plan and you say well I've only got $500 worth of coverage and then it's well fuck I can't do this in $500 so what are we going to do and it typically ends up being the therapist sort of compromising their treatment plan to fit within the confines of what the insurance company is going to pay. Yeah, I, I they have it's far more powerful than you would imagine, I think, in dictating the way that healthcare actually works in a country. Mm-hmm. People don't pay out of pocket if there's an opportunity to have insurance cover it. Yeah. So if you're if you're on the verge, complicated for sure. Yeah, it's and I unfortunate. think it's it's um people sort of make their decisions based on I, I guess it's priorities too, right? Is this going to kill me? I think is a lot of people's mentality. It's sure. not going to kill me, and I don't have the money for it. It's not a priority. And then there's the people who, you know, their their well being, their health, their wellness. It's all it's all one thing and they will go get treatment regardless of the cost or whatever inconveniences on them because it's, it's a priority for them. But I feel like majority of the massage therapy clients are, what is my insurance going to pay for? That's what I'm going to do. Mm. Mm. Mark's just shaking his head. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your, what's your biggest I was going to say bigger and then I changed it to biggest. What's what's the big vision for Jane? Where is it going? It's funny. I talk about it uh, like as a it's sort of like climbing a really, really tall mountain where you know what the top is, the kind of end goal, which is hopefully to be the first choice in practice management software the world over for al- for allied health. It, there's many qualifiers to that. That's, a very, that's not a very concise statement, but <laughs> basically to be the best, that's your top of the mountain. And then, but you're sort of climbing it with in the pitch black with a flashlight. So every step that you take, you can see a few more steps ahead of you and you're making decisions based on, you know, what the path you've taken so far and how far you can see ahead of you. So the the main goal is always like the really big goal, like let's just be the best. Mm-hmm. And then how we get there is sort of decided day by day as you gain more information. So you decide which turns to take and you decide which way you're not going to go. And then you have kind of rules about how you want to get up this mountain and how fast and what you're willing to sacrifice and what you're not. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, for me, it's just like a continual learning. It's an MBA, like to build a business has been a fascinating and super fun experience. And it never changes. Every day is different. We tell our team all the time, today we're running a business that we didn't run yesterday. We have more people. 
we have it's it's completely different today than it was yesterday. So every day we're just doing this for the first time, and that's that's inspiring to me. But I'll be doing ninety percent of our life should be doing what we're most interested in. Yeah, and I your agree. work is a huge part of that. So I want to do. I want to learn new things. That's what I want to be doing for 90% of my life. So Jane's turned out to be sort of the perfect place for me. And you've, it seems like you've crafted your life in a similar way. You've taken the parts that don't inspire you or don't excite you. And you've built uh, a life in which most of your day is spent doing something that you love. I got a question though. Yeah. You you have a super calming voice. Uh, You seem very well thought out. Tell me about your competitive side. You must have one. Oh, I'm so, yeah. I am competitive. I just posted to our team. Our very first competition, Jane entered this competition four years ago. I think it was it's like a BC New Ventures. It's called this prize money. So we entered it because there was prize money and we had no cash at the time. We were very new to the market and we came second in this competition. And to the, I like follow the people that came first. Like I know everything about them. It's like five years later. I'm like, are we beating you yet? Like I still follow them. They're not in our industry. Like they're not a competitor of ours, but they're a competitor now of mine personally, because we became second to them in this competition. They do, you know, what they do is needleless needles, which I was like, come on, how are you going to beat needleless needles? That sounds pretty amazing. So they, it's like a hyper spray. Anyway, needleless so, needles. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we came second to needleless needles. So now my whole life, all I'm doing is trying to beat the needleless needles. That's Jane's entire goal. <laughs> That's my tr- my true top of the mountain. So the you're, you're not needles. worried about all the other practice management software no, as long as you surpass needleless needles. needles. <laughs> That's all I need in life to feel happy and successful. Okay. So I have we have to do this because I mean this is a podcast about Jane App. Can you give us sort of the quick and dirty for people who have never heard of it? Can you sort of give like Jane's features and why this is a tool that massage therapists, chiropractors, why is it a tool that we all need? Give me the elevator pitch. Yeah. (laughs) I always say I need a very long built, tall building if I'm going to do an elevator pitch. But um, yeah, I thank you for that opportunity, actually, only because I think we've talked about the online booking and electronic charting, but there's a whole side of Jane that we didn't mention, which mm-hmm. it would be great for people to know that Jane offers. So there's also um, insurance billing management and payment processing uh, and all the main scheduling tools. So anything that your full practice management software can do is part of Jane's offering. And it's sort of all in one package. Um, and then Jane's online as well. And then we just try to price reasonably coming from practice management, just coming from clinic ownership myself. I understand that margins in clinics um, are not always super healthy and large. And so any um, uh, and a reasonable price can be helpful. And so we take part-time practitioners and lump them together. And we also work on, on special pricing for people who work under 10 treatments a week, just trying to be, just trying to be helpful, honestly, like however we can. Um, I would say that's the nuts and bolts. Everything's on our website. So if people want to go there, they can. It's jane.app. There's tons of videos. We don't gate any content. We want to make sure that people know what they're um, what they're getting into, <laughs> and if it's the right fit for them. We always say we want you using the right software for your practice, if it's Jane or not. So we're mm-hmm. never going to oversell you on anything. Actually, we don't even have, like I said, a sales team. So when well, you do a great. demo, that's it's why with our you support guys team. Keep a good reputation because mm-hmm. you know, again, something we teach in some of our marketing courses is that people are not. I mean, consumers are not stupid. They're people, no. and they see through bullshit, totally. and they're looking Absolutely. for a genuine company that is a good fit for them. So there's no point in gating any information when you know. We know that all consumers are going to go online and they want to yep. get all the information they can before they commit to something. Put it all out there because at some point yep. they're going to figure it out and then you're just going to have angry, pissed off people that are giving you bad reviews. So I love angry. that model. Yeah, I love that you guys are doing it like that. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else that you'd want people to know about Jane or um, anything new that might be coming up? Oh, can we have a sneak preview? <laughs> 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 oh, a sneak preview. Well, we're having a user conference where a customer, like it's a, it's called Ally. We're having a conference in the summer. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Um, I should actually talk to you about it after this. It might be something you'd be interested in being involved with. It's uh, 500 allied healthcare practitioners coming together in Vancouver, which is going to be beautiful in the summer. And we're going to talk about things like cybersecurity in your practice and marketing tools, how to run a basic Facebook ad campaign, you know, sort of all the things that a small business um, or might be interested in learning. And again, the, the gut, the, the guide, the guiding light is always just how can we be helpful to the people that we're working with in our community? Cool. So 
that's happening in the summer. It's going to be really fun. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, and then just like we're we're just getting started. So Jane Jane is as is Jane is Jane, but there's lots of uh, features that we're working on. We've just doubled our our dev team, so we're excited about all the things that we can add in the next year, including things such as reviews and a few more marketing tools that we didn't originally have as part of our product suite because we were just looking at running the practice well. And then now we're looking at trying to help grow people's practices with them. Very cool. When you guys do add new features, or if somebody comes to the boardroom table with an idea, um, do you do you do market research? Do you survey the people that already use the app? How do you guys make these decisions? Or is it, let's just throw some stuff up against the wall and see <laughs> if it sticks? We do a combo. It's funny. Um, we've always had been very relational with our customers. I think in our first 200 customers, Trevor and I visited all of them. Like I would drive for an hour to do a 45 minute demo and then, and then drive back. And none of them have canceled of our first 200 customers. And we have just kind of lots of information coming in at all time. We have a, a roadmap and a, a public feature request area where it's public to our users. And there's over, there's thousands and thousands of, of feature requests in there. So people are vocal, like what they're is, very vocal. What is like a request that has been made and you're like, there's no fucking way we're doing this. This is just a ridiculous <laughs> request. Okay. I will tell you, a f- well, pe- feature requests are often just a feature someone's seen before in another product. And mm-hmm. sometimes you have to tease out why they want it. So they'll often say they want something without if but if you don't understand the reason why they want it you can provide a feature that doesn't actually solve their problem or you could provide a better feature that solves their problem because jane is architected in a different way than their previous software so we have a different way that we could do it so it takes a lot of work to tease out that like the the reason behind so one of the things is colors um because trevor is a is a designer uh, one of the things that he is most offended by by other practice management softwares is what it looks like on their screen when they're using it because some of them are just hideous. And often it's because people haven't put a lot of thought into if the colors work together. Mm -hmm. So we started with three colors. After many, many requests, we've gone up to uh, six colors. And still one of the number one feature requests is more colors. And so we're always like, what are you trying to look like? You want a visual visual key. You want to see something on the schedule. So we're really trying to find what more than six. How are you going to... Like it's actually, you're going to have to remember what all those things mean. And when you have new people come in, you're going to have to train them on that. And, you know, it actually creates some complexity that maybe isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. But that is one of the ones that we're still, it took four years to get more colors in. And it's probably going to take another year, but it is one of the highest. It, now our, our other, like our UX designers are like bringing up, how about this? We could maybe add four more colors. And these ones would look nice in the palette. And but that one took a long time to come in. I feel like and you guys then, are doing all yeah. right if your biggest problem is colors. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the biggest feature requests. I'd like more yeah. colors on the schedule. Yeah, it's good. And then, you know, it's funny. There's sort of two camps of customers. There's ones that are so busy, they want to manage their wait lists. And then there's the other half that are so uh, starting out and so slow that they want features to help them get more customers. So right. then there's right. sort of, you're always trying to manage, like, what can we do that would help the most of our um, our community, the most number of people in our community, even though they're all working in very unique practices. Everyone's so different. Yeah, it's good. Super fun. But I feel like we we have a plan for we have a roadmap set for 2020 and it's really fun. Like I'm I I I'm so excited. And then the eventual places that we could go are just it's just so fun. There's a billion things we could do. This is long term. This is this is oh this yeah. Is it. This is not like let's build this to a point and let's sell this bad boy off no, and, and go something no, else. No, we don't. No, no, no. We want to see where this can go. It's going to be really fun. We have so many. We have. We have plans to make Jane even more helpful. And there's so many ways that Jane could be helpful. I mean, for years, I've wanted to have a locum, um, an admin locum list, like people who are trained on Jane that could come fill in when your receptionists are sick. I'm like, wouldn't that be amazing? Like, we get to have a, a list that you could. And then, I, you know, even the ability to sell your practice. Like, it's really hard to find a buyer. There's sort of the roll-ups of the large clinics. But uh, when you want to retire and you have a clinic that you're ready to sell, it's how, how do you, how do you do that? How do you transition? How do you find a buyer? And oftentimes associates don't have enough money to make the purchase. So maybe we can help with financing somehow because we have access, like we work with your payments and anyway, I don't know. There's so many cool things we could do and they could all be so helpful to the small business owner. So uh, we're just getting started and really like actually what Jane does 
right now is kind of the beginning and we're hoping to build around that a whole ecosystem of, of helpful things for clinics. So this all sounds, I don't even work for Jane and I'm like, Oh, yeah, this is exciting. Wanna... <laughs> this is, a, this sounds fun. With all these business ideas, Jane needs a sister. Yes. <laughs> or a brother. Cause we don't want to be sexist. That's true. I'll find the, old, the original <laughs> list and pull out some of the boys names. Some of the boys. Well, okay. That speaking of like we mentioned at the beginning, you also have a family. Um, mm-hmm. How is your, how is your work-life balance? We sometimes say that this doesn't really exist when you're an entrepreneur. No. Um, do you feel like you work 24-7? Uh, at the beginning, for sure, because there was only two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were sort of, I was I was going for a run and I would stop on the trail and answer the support call and try not to breathe too hard <laughs> my, my microphones. And I would talk them without seeing it, their screen or my screen. I would talk them through how to fix something. Uh, so the beginning there, yeah, there, but I actually even think still work-life balance, it sort of insinuates like that you can somehow shut off parts of you yeah. and then turn them on. And I just, I don't, I don't operate that way. I don't so, think, a, I don't think a true entrepreneur does. No, I don't think so. And a true entrepreneur enjoys the process. So even, exactly. even, even if there is no quote unquote work-life balance, you're, you're balanced and you're happy with what's going yeah. on. Exactly. And so I, I say that I'm like, I, I we, my Trevor and I always say, are we having fun? Like it's our, it's our number one measure. Are we still having fun? And if we're not having fun, then there's a problem. Um, but we are, and I, I have a whole no, I have a no guilt rule. I have a no guilt parenting rule and I have a no guilt work rule. And I'm, everyone has a different family and everyone has a different life and you're just got to do what works for you. So mm-hmm. I, my kids are amazing and old <laughs> and, and easy. Old. They're old now, like they're not babies anymore. So it was definitely more challenging at the, beginning um to like I used to take I opened canopy when I had Jonah and I so I took eight months mat leave with my first and then five with my second and then Jonah just came to work with me and some people that would be like that sounds horrendous and I was like it was great like I really enjoyed that he would sit with me at the front desk and he's doing something that I'm enjoying with me so you just sort of make it work and even now because I have a hundred staff. So I have much more reasonable work hours and we don't expect our team to work outside of their hours either. And yeah, it's, it's been good. It's been an evolution for sure. And I think it will keep evolving. That's awesome. And by the way, I love the bringing the baby to work. And I think it's mostly Canadians that find that concept ridiculous because (laughs) we have the luxury of 12 to 18 month maternity leave. You talk to a mom in the state, she's like, yeah, my baby came to work with me. (laughs) Totally. I know. We, we We do. It's a huge luxury. But I, my brain, it's the same thing every day, all day when you're home with a baby. A hundred percent. I took uh, only five months with my first. I yeah. wanted to take longer, but I felt the pressure of having to get back to my practice, especially mm. from the owner of the clinic. I was just renting right. a room, right? So yeah. she was also concerned about me being gone too long and you know it being a source of tension for her with her patients who were waiting for sure. me and all of those things. So I only took five months. And the second time, because I was in a little bit of a better spot financially, I decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a whole year off. And I'm telling you by like at least the seven month mark, I was like, well, this might've been a mistake. I, you know, Facebook had just started what um, the online games when I had my first, I spent a lot of time playing words with friends or whatever the equivalent was. <laughs> and I actually, for real, this is not, I, I bought a logic puzzle book, like from the grocery store. That's like, if Tom has six of like that, you have to figure out I just was like, I just need to solve a problem. (laughs) And so I had to like figure out who had which color car. And, you know, this is what I was doing on my mat leave because my brain was, I was, I also enjoyed it immensely. They were adorable little people and they're so interesting and they turn into hilarious, interesting adults. And so you can, I think it's fine. You can do it all. You just, every day isn't the best day and every day isn't going to be the best day. And actually I will say the one thing about equality for women and flexibility, I really believe strongly that we need to lead companies and be part of businesses where men are given and encouraged to have the same flexibility and parental responsibilities as the women. So it, it bothers me when people say we should make more flexible workplaces for women. That just, that's, it doesn't work for me. I'm like, why for women, we should be making flexible workplaces for parents in general. And the dad, like everyone should be able to go out to the dance recital or to pick up their kids and then work from home for the last two hours. And 
as soon as everybody starts doing that, then that reduces the stigma that the woman's leaving at three to pick up the kids and the man's working till five. Amen, sister. Eight or whatever. <laughs> so we we definitely encourage that um, where we can at Jane. This Everybody gets flexibility to work. It's like life and work all at the same time and people just get your job done. So it's, yeah, it's good. We've been enjoying that. That's sure. a mentality that I think majority of companies should have. If everybody's getting their work done, why do we care about the number of hours you put in and when you do the work and how, just... And why am I in a suit? <laughs> <laughs> why can you I know, do this from my pajamas at home? We have a celebration day coming up and because we all wear, we're very casual around the office. We're like a tech company. That's what happens. And so for our celebration, everyone's going to wear business clothes to work. We're having a business clothes day <laughs> That's funny. to celebrate. So then we can take like stock photos of us sitting around our board table and pointing at things and laughing at our salads. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> laughing at our salads. Oh, I love it. I love it. There's also, there's a, the stock images of the Canadian stock images. Did you see that? No, I didn't see that they, one. They just came out. Um, it's the people that manage the CA domain. I can't remember what they're called. They manage all of the .ca domains, but mm. they just released a whole bunch of Canadian stock images. It's like a lumberjack eating poutine. And <laughs> like, they're so funny. You should, if you can find them, you should look them up. Oh, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Allie. This has been uh, really fun talking with you. And um, like I said, I love supporting Canadian companies. There are a lot of practice manager management, not manager, management software out there and I think for therapists who are trying to find something flexible that can be sort of customized to what their practice is like, whether you're seeing 10 people a week or seeing, you know, hundreds of people a week in a multidisciplinary space, um, it sounds all pretty good to me. And I like the fact that you guys can hang out in your pajamas and you just dress up once a year. It sounds just like me and Mark. <laughs> it's perfect. Anyway, uh, before we do sign off, can we give everybody some information again? Um, maybe some website info, how they can access Jane? Um, yeah, it's it's just jane.app. Actually, if you Google Jane app and pretty much anything, you're going to get directed to any of our content. Google is very good at crawling all that information. So we always just say, just Google us. You'll find us. There's also there's a few reviews on Captera from different practitioners that are using Jane. So if you want to hear from some of our customers, there's some reviews on there. Um, and that's that's probably the best way. You can book a demo there. You can view some videos. Check us out. All right. Yep. Sounds good. Well, thank you. I will do so as well. And we hopefully can um, see you out in Vancouver sometime uh, since you're not a regular listener of our podcast, which will change as well. <laughs> um, when you, you're going to turn us into customers, we're going to turn you into listeners. Yeah, um, deal. We have never been to anywhere in BC, so what? Hopefully that will change. Yeah, yeah. This, wow. uh, the farthest west I've been in Canada is Banff, Alberta. That's shocking. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're, that's not far. Have you been to Halifax? Have you been out to the east coast? We've been yeah. everywhere on the east coast. I instinctively uh, just go east. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's we've been to people the east do coast. say if you come out west, you don't go home. So. Oh. Yeah, just be forewarned. You're like, no way. This is going to become like a Toronto-Vancouver ri rivalry now. <laughs> oh, no. We're going to go from friends to enemies. <laughs> Frenemies? Is that a word? Frenemies? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're in Toronto lots. We, I love it. I like it over there. We have lots of them. Um, there's actually so many good companies coming out of Toronto. Well, hopefully we'll come visit you out west sometime. And next time you're in Toronto, you can come in and we can do a face-to-face -face interview instead of the phone oh, interview. Oh, yeah. Will you Perfect. have clean hair, though? Huh? I'll, I'll wash my hair that day. <laughs> Just wear it in a bun. The, t the messy bun is like... It's exactly a, what I have for you today. Friend. I've got a messy bun. Yeah. Right on. Well, thanks for hanging out on the phone today. It's been great. Yeah, thank you. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.